Arsenal's victory at Luton was thrilling. It was amazing. It was exhilarating. It was everything you'd expect from a game in which you got a last minute winner. But what it has done is sparked the goalkeeping debate back into action. We're going to talk David Raya. We're going to talk Declan Rice. And we're going to analyze Gabriel Jesus's performance right here on the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. Don't go anywhere. Hey everybody, how's it going? Good morning. Welcome back to the show. Welcome back to the podcast. I think I'm still cold from last night. Genuinely, like my bones are cold uh, after sitting outside at Kenilworth Road in the gantry where you're exposed to pretty much all of the elements. Uh, thankfully, it wasn't chucking it down with rain. But yeah, um, awful journey home, by the way, from the Kenny. I uh, got stuck in traffic on the M1, which added about 45 minutes to my journey. Um, made it home eventually, got in, was frozen. Uh, felt like I needed to have a really hot shower because, as I say, I felt like my bones were cold. Gone to bed, woken up this morning, still feeling chilly, still feeling um, a little bit beaten up by the whole thing. But not just sort of physically, but mentally as well, because that was quite the ride, wasn't it, emotionally? And, um, you know, obviously the outcome was a great one in the end. Arsenal move five points clear um, at the top of the Premier League table, which is which is brilliant. Uh, of course, both Manchester City and Liverpool are in action tonight at the time of recording. So that could change, of course. But it's nice to get our job done. It's nice to put the pressure onto them. And, you know, when you look at that fixture that we had last night, Luton Town, a side that I think many people believe will be fighting relegation come the end of the campaign. It was always one that we really did have to win. Um, otherwise, you're relying on Arsenal going and getting a victory somewhere else to make up for it, where you might have taken a draw or, or might have felt that a draw was a uh, tolerable slash acceptable result. I think the only negative that's come out of last night is the fact that this goalkeeping debate has, has risen back to the top of the agenda. And we're going to talk a little bit about it on this episode. This is one of two episodes that you're going to get today uh, on the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. We released an instant reaction from Kenilworth Road last night where I sat in the cold, which is probably why I feel like crap today, um, to kind of break it down, give you guys some of my initial thoughts after the full-time whistle. We're going to bring you this episode, which we're obviously live streaming and recording right now. But then later on today, uh, this evening, I'm going to be joined by the brilliant Mike Stavrou, who hasn't been on the pod for what feels like an age. And we're going to focus particularly on Kai Havertz as well as some other elements. So if you're looking at the title, if you've just joined us, if you're tuning into this episode and you're wondering why I've singled out David Raya, uh, Declan Rice, Gabriel Jesus, and I haven't... Um, saved space or, or, or dedicated a section to uh, Kai Havertz. Don't worry, we're going to do that a little bit later. I didn't want to be repetitive. We want to do two separate episodes and uh, we'll be able to spend a lot more time that way on Kai Havertz, who I think it's safe to say has, has arrived at Arsenal now. But we'll get into that, as I say, in a little bit more detail a little bit later on. I mean, I'm still buzzing from having got to meet Thierry Henry. Now, it's a very, very brief encounter. And when I say brief, I mean very, very brief. But look at this. I mean, I would have had a shave if I knew uh, that he was going to be there. Um, I still haven't had a shave. I need to get down to the barbers at some point and get the hair and the beard sorted out. The hair and beard combo is uh, a bit off uh, track at the moment. But yeah, I mean, just just trying to unpack what we saw last night has been quite difficult. It's one of those where you have your initial thoughts, you have your initial buzz, you have your initial kind of 
um, I don't know what the word is, your initial kind of prognosis of what you've just watched, but then it changes and it, it, it evolves and develops after the dust settles a little bit. Because when a game is that emotional and you go through those ups and downs over the course of 90 minutes, it's not easy to gather your thoughts and be concise with them and be rational with them um, in the immediate aftermath. So I definitely felt like I needed to do another episode today so that we could discuss uh, some of these key topics and uh, and key subjects. Right. Um, before we dive into uh, the, um, the, the, the content, the Raya stuff, which is what I really want to focus on uh, in this episode, I do want to say a few hellos to some of you in the live chat. A uh, big hello to Junior, who says, good morning, Harry and my fellow Gooners. What do we do first, folks? We like, we subscribe, we tell a friend to tell a friend. Agreed. Thank you so much, mate. Really, really appreciate it. Um, John says, morning. My nerves are still shaking uh, from last night. Uh, Jan Tora says, I don't believe that Raya will be dropped. If it was real competition, then it would have been interesting. But it's not. I believe Rambo will push for a move and he will deserve it. Uh, Jamie says, good morning, Harry. My first time joining you live, although I do listen daily to your podcasts. Keep up the fantastic work. Way too many individual mistakes. Ramsdale must be given his chance now. Come on, you gunners. Damien says, Raya will not be dropped. He is the number one. Ramsdale also made a mistake in his last game. That's a really valid point, and we'll get into that um, a little bit more uh, in a little bit more detail. Uh, Sammy says, I think that may be the most work we've seen Raya face in one game so far, and he really didn't shine. I would love to see Ramsdale back, but I don't think that's in Arteta's plans. I'm not going to go through everyone's comments because um, otherwise we, we won't ever get into um, the, the, the kind of conversation um, and, uh, and we'll be um, dedicating a section to the comments a little bit later on in the show. So I'll save that for now. Um, but Graham says, and it is, Graham has a, a different opinion, and I quite like this because I think this brings another element and another dynamic to this debate. He says, um, there's no way he can drop Ray or Harry. You can't drop someone every time they make a mistake. And I think that's a really important point. So just put a pin in that, and we're going to come back to that uh, in a moment or two. But anyway, let's let's dive into the analysis of David Raya's performance. So I'm not going to blame David Raya for the first goal because I don't think he was at fault there. I think that was poor defending from the set piece, generally speaking. I think it was Jesus and Martinelli, if I'm not mistaken, that Osho got in between. And when he arrived in that position, it was a really good header. It was tucked away in the corner and David Raya you know, having seen it from a number of angles, just had no chance of getting there, to be fair to him. So I don't want to try and create a bigger narrative around David Raya than there already is. I think he was at fault for two of the goals, and I'm going to analyse those two goals right here. If you are listening on audio, I do have some images that I'm going to use to kind of aid my discussion and my analysis. So if you do want to come over uh, to the YouTube video, you can do that uh, as well. But if you don't, don't worry, I'll do my best uh, to explain uh, of course, what it is that we're looking at on the screen. So the first screenshot I've got is from when the corner's just been taken. You can see that the ball's just sort of entering the six-yard box area. Um, obviously, it's high up, but it's getting into that territory. And I look at David Raya there, and I think what David Raya has done is that he's realised pretty quickly that he's probably got the flight of the ball quite wrong. And as a result of that, there's a slight moment of hesitation 
which means that he then loses ground. Now, as a goalkeeper, you've got the advantage of being able to go up with your arms. You've got the advantage of being able to jump, leading with your arms. Therefore, you know, you can raise your knees up like Jens Lehmann used to do and like some of the older school of goalkeepers were obviously coached to do. There's a slight moment of hesitation, I think, here as Raya comes out when he realises that he's got the flight slightly wrong. And that moment of hesitation just allows him to lose control of that territory right on the edge of his six-yard box. And that allows a couple of Luton Town players to get their bodies in there. And you can see that although Adebayo is the one that scores the goal, there's another player there um, who is, is sort of there working as a bit of a blocker. And that blocker doesn't get into that position if Raya reads the flight of the ball correctly, positions himself correctly, and doesn't hesitate as a as a sort of consequence of the realisation of the fact that he's got the flight wrong. So I think the, the error starts from there. It isn't just the jump. It isn't just the flap. It isn't just the fact that he doesn't get any contact on the ball. I think this error begins quite early on uh, in the process here. Then, of course, the ball comes in and you can see on the second screenshot that I've got on the right hand side of the screen that David Raya eventually does get himself up off of the ground, but A, not anywhere near high enough. And the reason that he isn't able to get up high enough is because if you're if you've got the flight of the ball right and you do it all in one movement, i.e. you work out where you need to position yourself, you make that run and then you use that momentum from the run to get yourself off the ground and get yourself above the striker. That's how it should be done. But what David Raya does here is because of that moment of hesitation, he sort of stops and then he's jumping from a standing position, which means that he's not going to be able to get up as high, even though he's leading with his arms and he's a big old lad. He's still not going to be able to get up high enough to beat the attacker here. The, the other question is, should the defenders do a little bit more to protect David Raya here? So I think the error is, 95% on David Raya in this instance, in this case. But I do think that Declan Rice um, is, is one of the players involved here and he probably can do a little bit more to protect his goalkeeper. You can see in the second screenshot that he is there in the end trying to protect David Raya, trying to put off the attacker. But in sort of leaning into the attacker, all he's actually doing is, is kind of pushing him towards David Raya, which will affect his momentum. And you know, impact his ability to then get up off the ground as well. So it's a combination of things. The error is with David Raya. I'm not trying to sit there and, and sort of throw Declan Rice under the bus or suggest that Declan Rice is the main issue here. But he he certainly could do better in that instance. And I think he will tell you that himself. He did talk about the team being sloppy and switching off from set pieces in his post-match analysis. So, yeah, um, to, to kind of summarise on this one, hesitation with regards to trying to figure out the flight of the ball. That leads to a slight pause in, in David Raya's movement, which means that he can't get off the ground because he's not jumping from a running position. He's jumping from a standing position, which puts him at a disadvantage against a very good, powerful, strong forward who's done brilliantly to get himself that high off the ground and meet the ball where he has. So, yeah, David Raya not covering himself in glory um, uh, with that one. Then I take it on uh, to the uh, second goal for which David Raya was at four, and that was Luton Town's third goal, the goal that put them 3-2 up at that point. Now, when I've watched this back again this morning, and I've watched it back probably 10, 15 times before I've decided what I want to say about this, I think actually his initial positioning here is quite good. Now, I think what the defence do pretty well is that they do force 
uh, Barkley into a wide area. And, you know, that's what you want to do. You want to reduce the size of the target available to him. You want to make the angle more difficult. If you wind it back just a little bit, if you watch it back again, the ball does make its way into the centre of the pitch and then Luton work it back out left. And I think if I'm being overly critical, and again, I am trying to be thorough in my analysis, which is why it probably sounds like I'm being uh, overly, overly critical. You are looking at Bukayo Saka and maybe thinking he could have been working back that little bit harder. And normally he does, which is why it caught my eye and surprised me a little bit. But it just takes him a little bit of time to get back. And and then as a result, I think, you know, Ben White, who's trying to remain compact and keep close to the centre-half and whose focus is to keep him wide, then maybe engages just slightly too late. But you look at that first screenshot and you think, David Raya is in the right position. He's protected the near post sufficiently, but he's also narrowed the angle um, for Barkley to go back across the goal, which is what you would probably try and do as a forward player. You'd be hoping that, you know, maybe if you slightly scuffed it, got it wrong, there'd be someone at the far post to, to uh, potentially knock it in or whatever. So the problem is that Barkley's shot is essentially really, really close to David Raya's body. Um, and it squirms underneath him. You can see it in the second screenshot. Raya goes down and it just seems to take an age for him to get down and the ball squirms under him. Did the pace of the, on the ball catch him out? I think it did. Now, that's not an excuse. You know, as a goalkeeper, you should be prepared for anything. But And even more so in that circumstance, because if you've done your job and you've managed to um, force the player wide as a defence, then there's a good chance that the the forward player is going to try and put some welly behind it because the target of which he's able to hit is limited. So you understand and expect, you know, the player is going to hit it with power. How many times have we seen players from that position that Barkley's in blast it into the roof of the net and give the goalkeeper no chance that way? The, the right thing here for David Raya to do, given how close the ball was and the shot was to his kind of hip, is to go with his leg sort of a la David De Gea style. Like, you know, the way that De Gea made so many good saves over the years with his leg. And, and I think a lot of goalkeepers would go with their legs in this instance. And, you know, you've got a split second to make that decision as a goalkeeper, right? It's not like you set yourself there and you're going, well, if he goes low next to me, I'm going to go with my leg. If he goes into the roof of the net, I'm going to go with my right arm. If he goes across the goal, I'm going to dive with my outstretched left arm. It's not like you have time to think about that in that moment. So it's based on instinct. And sometimes, you know, your instinct will let you down. I think the very, very best goalkeepers, more often than not, see their instincts get them out of trouble and save them. And, and they will make a right decision as a result of that. But I think David Raya will watch this back over and over and over again over the coming days and will probably be thinking to himself, why did I not just use my left leg? Because if he does, there's no way that this is going in. Because it's not placed in a corner. It's not um anything special from Ross Barkley. It's just a shot from a tight angle with plenty of power behind it. And as a result of the goalkeeper taking the wrong decision with regards to how he's gone down to try and save it, the ball squirmed underneath him and gone into the back of the net. Now, this whole debate and discussion around the goalkeeper's stuff is, is it feels like a, it, it just needs to go away. And I've been saying it myself for weeks. Yeah, here I am talking about it again because... It's the hot topic. It's something that shot right to the top of the agenda again after what we saw yesterday. And there's been this kind of general consensus and opinion that in bringing 
David Raya to the club, what what Mikel Arteta has done is he's created this environment where both goalkeepers are on edge every time they play. You know, that they're fearing making mistakes and that that's having an impact on their psyche, their mentality, and therefore having an impact on their performances on the pitch. And I think there is probably some validity to that. And maybe we saw that when Ramsdale came in against Brentford, where he was all over the shop in the first half, maybe because of that desperation he was feeling to try and impress and try and earn his place back. But then at the same time, a lot of the people that have been pushing that narrative or or, or pushing that theory are now saying, drop David Raya and put Aaron Ramsdale in at the weekend. Now, I don't know at this stage what I would do. I really, really don't. I've been thinking about this all morning and I really don't know what I would do come Saturday. Graham said in the comments a little bit earlier on that you can't drop someone every time they make mistakes. And that is that is valid. And the reason that is valid, in my opinion, is because you can't sit there and say, Mikel Arteta has created this environment where both goalkeepers are on edge every week. And as a result of that, none of them are able to perform without the pressure, without the weight of that pressure on their shoulders. But let's drop David Raya. Because then you're calling for the very thing that you're criticising Mikel Arteta for having created. So which is it? You either think that the two are pushing each other and that this is a meritocracy and David Raya's put in a stinker of a performance, so get him out next game and put Aaron Ramsdale back in. Or you accept that, you know, people make mistakes, goalkeepers make mistakes. And if you look at the recent period that David Raya's had, okay, he's not been as busy as he was um, in the game last night. But generally speaking, Arsenal have defended very, very well, kept a number of clean sheets, and he's been a big part of that. So if he is your number one, and listen, Mikel Arteta doesn't have to tell you that, doesn't have to tell me that, he doesn't have to tell anyone that. But I think we can all gather that internally, in his own head, in his own mind, Raya is the number one right now. In which case, I don't expect him to drop him. Should he be dropped? Well, if Mikel Arteta is creating this meritocracy where everybody who plays well stays in the team. And if they don't, you know, they're out. Then, yeah, under that kind of theory, then, yeah, he probably should make the change. But I just don't see it happening. I just don't see it happening. So in answer to the question, Raya to be dropped, my answer is no, I don't think he will be dropped. Have I made my mind up 100% just yet on what I would do if I were in charge? No, I haven't. Because I would want to take some more time to think about it. There's obviously something that Mikel Arteta sees in David Raya that we don't see. And there's obviously something that he sees in Raya that he doesn't see in Ramsdale. Now, we not, might not be able to put our finger on exactly what that is. But to be fair, you know, we couldn't quite put our finger on why Granite Xhaka was pushed into an advanced area at the beginning of that little experiment. And look how well that went. A lot of us looked at, Martin Odegaard, when he came into the club and thought he's okay, but he hasn't got that next level when he's gone on to that next level, generally speaking. A lot of us looked at Ben White, a right back, and thought that was crazy. And now he's one of the best right backs in the league. A lot of us looked at Kai Havertz two, three weeks ago and thought, I don't know what's going on here. And now we're thinking, well, how? look, that's what it's all about. He's arrived and he's doing the business. So I've come to a point where I'm not just going to blindly follow and support the every, every decision that Mikel Arteta makes, but I'm certainly going to give his decisions time to breathe. And I'm certainly going to allow him to do what he thinks is right without getting all irate and, and making a big song and dance about it or trying to, um, you know, 
go on impassioned rants because I think that's going to drive more traffic or clicks or whatever. I'm not going to do any of that. I'm going to bide my time and watch how this unfolds over the course of the season. At this moment in time, Arsenal sit five points clear at the top of the Premier League. And going into yesterday, okay, we conceded three goals yesterday, which skews this a little bit, but we had the best defensive record in the Premier League. So if you've downgraded, as some people are saying, on your goalkeeper, but your defensive record is better, do you really have a leg to stand on in terms of beating home that point? I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure. So, yeah, it's a it's a tough one. Harv says in the chat, everyone seems to not realise that our defensive record this season isn't just down to Raya. Uh, Rice, Saliba and Gabriel is possibly the best defensive triangle in the world. I agree with that. I, I agree with that. I think, you know, that the defensive improvement is as a collective. I think that the defensive improvement is... Um, is is something that has come from a greater structure, but also having bigger, better, stronger individuals in certain positions. But Raya is a part of that. You can't dismiss his part in that defensive unit is the point I'm trying to make here. Rather than me saying Raya is the reason that Arsenal were defending better, what I am saying is no, actually, the reason that we're better is as a collective we've improved, but he is obviously a part of that and you can't dismiss him. Uh, Christian Miller says Ramsdale was nominated for the Ballon d'Or. Let's not forget. Um, Crypto says, why shouldn't Arteta use the same yardstick on Ryan if he used it on Ramsdale? Yeah, in terms of what we're seeing on the pitch, every, like in terms of the 90 minutes that we get to watch as fans, I agree with you. But there is far more to this. There are more layers to this that we will never, ever understand. What's going on in training? Who's performing better in training? Has Aaron Ramsdale... You know, I, I know we all look at him and think brilliant character, and I'm not saying this is the case, but is there a chance that he's he's in a bit of a he's in a bit of a mood at the moment, and that that's coming across in training and around the training ground and all the rest of it? That would never come out publicly. Why would Mikel Arteta ever want that to come out publicly? But there is a chance that that could be happening, and maybe that's something that's put Mikel Arteta off of giving him a chance again. I don't know. I'm speculating, but that's the point. We've been speculating throughout this entire thing, and it's really, really difficult to understand the complexities and the nuances of a debate like this when you're on the outside, and we are on the outside. So am I going to sit here and say, David Raya should be dropped, blah, blah, blah? No, I'm not. I'm going to say that if I were Mikel Arteta right now, I'd be thinking long and hard about this. I don't need to make a decision on Wednesday with regards to who's going to play on Saturday. I'd be biding my time. I'd be watching them both in training. I'd sort of give the indication that that position on Saturday, as a result of Raya's performance not being very good last night, is up for grabs. Ramsdale, show me what you got. Raya, show me that this was a one-off and that I should continue to trust you. That's how you use these things to motivate the players and get the optimum level out of both of them. So that's where I'm at on, on the goalkeeping debate. And um, yeah, interested to hear uh, some of you guys' uh, thoughts as well. Um, Amira says, goalkeepers are trickier because Havertz, for example, could be given a sub or rotational minutes to build confidence. You can't do the same for a keeper unless you rotate evenly like Brighton do. Well, Mikel Arteta said, and these were the words that came out of his mouth, that he at times has considered substituting a goalkeeper and that he would consider doing that going forward. I actually think that after the two mistakes yesterday, David Raya looked shell-shocked. Now, I'm not saying that Mikel Arteta needed to change the goalkeeper at that point and that 
we should make a massive song and dance about that. But if you're going to give it the whole, yeah, I would sub my goalkeeper, etc., etc., then that would have been a, a, an optimum time to do it, wouldn't it? Because Raya, to me, looked like a looked like he'd lost all confidence. He looked like a rabbit in front of the headlights. Uh, you know, as soon as sort of the second goal went in, and you could see his relief at the end of the game um, when Arsenal managed to turn it back on its head and essentially win it. I'll show you guys uh, a couple of videos that I myself took um, from inside the stadium. And I think this one um, involving David Raya is is really, really telling. Hold on, let me share this uh, with you guys in terms of how he was feeling at that point and how grateful he was to his teammates for sort of coming to his aid um, after, yeah, a really poor display on his part. Let me just share this. Uh, with you, hold on, let me press play. And I think the beautiful thing about this is that not only is David Raya going over to, you know, thank Declan Rice and Kai Havertz essentially for digging him out of a hole, but the that the players have rallied around him. So this this other idea, this other notion of, well, the players are upset with Arteta because of the way he dropped Ramsdale and they, they're not really warming to David Raya is also a nonsense as well. Because they could have easily not given it 100% last night. They could have easily felt sorry for themselves at 3-3 in stoppage time, stop pushing and played the blame game after the full-time whistle and said, well, David, you know, we, we've dropped two points tonight and it's on you, mate. No, there was none of that. There was, we're a team, we're all united, we're all together and we're going to get our mate out of a hole here um, and we're going to, um, we're going to make sure that we can, um, you know, that we can hopefully, uh, you know, go on to the next game and, and do it in a much easier way. If I take you on to another video, Hold on a minute. Sorry about that. If I take you on to another video I took, this was the scenes at the full-time whistle um, in front of the away end. And I can tell you from being in the ground that the Luton Town supporters were not happy with this. They were not happy at all. You can probably hear them actually in this video because I was just to the left of the halfway line in the gantry. So I was closer to the Luton end than I was to this end. But just uh, have a look at this. <laughs> So you can see that. You can see how much everyone uh, is together. You can see what it meant to the fans. You can see that the players were enjoying it. And you can see that Declan Rice has been pushed to the front of the queue uh, to celebrate there, having uh, been the match winner at the end of the day. Right, going to take a really, really short pause. And then I want to talk a little bit about Gabriel Jesus' performance because I thought it was a masterclass from the Brazilian. And because he didn't score the winner, maybe that's gone a little bit under the radar. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. Welcome back to the show. Hope you're all good. Hope you're all well. If you're just joining us, uh, welcome. Uh, you can go back and listen to our David Raya analysis. Uh, we had a good in-depth look at the two goals that I believe he was at fault for last night at Kenilworth Road. Let me know your thoughts, of course, in the comments if you're watching us 
on replay. If you are uh, watching this on YouTube, please do leave us a like. It really, really, really does help. Um, there's so many of you with us right now. We've only got 64 likes on the board. There's no reason why we shouldn't have 150, 175. So please leave a like on the video. Also subscribe to the channel. And if you want some uh, reaction that was straight after the full-time whistle, pretty emotional and all the rest of it, then please do go back to the last video on the channel, the last episode of the podcast on your feed. Um, there's some instant reaction there from last night from Kenilworth Road. And as I say, there's another episode to come later on today with the brilliant Mike Stavrou. So do check that out as well. Okay, let's talk um, Gabby Jesus because I thought this was an unreal performance from him. I, I, I really did. I thought this was incredible in so many different ways. You take it back to the first goal, right? You take it back to... Um, the, uh, the the goal that Arsenal scored to break the deadlock, and you just you look at you just look at the way he was so switched on and and so alert to what was going on in the situation around him. And we talk quite a lot about the intensity that Gabriel Jesus brings to our forward line, and this was a prime example of it. Right, twenty minutes of play, pretty much not that much had happened. Arsenal hadn't created that much. Luton certainly hadn't created anything. And, and at that point, Luton would have been quite happy with themselves, having limited Arsenal to very little. And there's a bad back pass from Bell, which is played to Kaminsky, who's got to scamper out of his goal to try and get on the end of it and realises that he'll be taking a massive risk with Gabby Jesus bearing down on him, trying to bring the ball back inside with a touch and then clearing. So he just panics and puts it out for a throw-in rather than risking, you know, trying to get his body around it, not getting there and essentially conceding the corner. So he does exactly that. But at that point, it's really easy for a player to just, you know, you've been running around, you've been chasing shadows the way Jesus has. You've had plenty of physical comings together up until that point in the game. And, you know, it was a really, really physical game. I mentioned that last night. I thought that Luton at times in the first half in particular really overstepped the mark in that sense. And I thought the ref could have done a little bit better, um, a little bit more to try and um, and kind of keep a lid on that. But rather than just seeing the ball go out for a throw-in and then letting your level just momentarily drop and, and sort of thinking about um, having a breather and all the rest of it, he just went, nah, I'm not switching off here. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep this level of intensity because there's an opportunity. And if I can gain the smallest advantage by staying alert when everybody else has gone to sleep for a second, then great. But in order to make that happen, he's relying on his teammates as well, being switched on and being alert. And thankfully, on this occasion, Bukayo Saka was just as awake, just as alert. And so Jesus, you know, doesn't wait for the fullback to come and take the throw. And he runs over, picks up the ball, and he takes it quickly into Bukayo Saka, who spots a bit of space and goes into it, cuts it back, and Martinelli eventually puts it in the back of the net. And you just look at that and you think, when people are sitting there saying, what does Jesus bring? Because he doesn't score enough goals, blah, 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 blah. That's the kind of thing that Jesus brings you that a lot of other strikers, a lot of other forward players don't. That level of intensity all of the time that he's on the pitch. And add to that, the fact that he then scored a real striker's goal for Arsenal's second, really well-worked move between White and Saka down the right-hand side. And when the ball was stood up, Jesus timed his run, jump, all of it perfectly and headed it home. Uh, from close range. You think to yourself, again, you know, you've seen both sides of Gabriel Jesus. He can score goals, 
but he can also do the other bits and pieces as well. And aside from the goals, because he obviously was the provider for the Kai Havertz goal as well, Arsenal's third and a really important goal in the bigger picture, um, where he was incredibly strong, first of all, to hold off the challenge of the defender. But all the time he's doing that, he's still thinking, his mind's still working, it's still ticking. And he manages to just help the ball around the corner into Kai Havertz for him to finish and make it 3-3. Three massive contributions from Gabriel Jesus last night. But outside of all of that, I don't think I've seen a striker of his size that can compete that well in terms of the physical battle, in terms of the bumping into people, the fact that it doesn't matter how many times you put him down on the ground, how many times you come into the back of him, he'll keep going. He is relentless, man. He's like, it's, it, I, I can't explain it. It's just so, he's got so much energy and it's no wonder that he picks up injuries as as, as regularly as he does because he puts his body on the line in every circumstance, under every possible scenario you know that that's just what Gabriel Jesus does and it's amazing to see and and it baffles me every time I see a performance like that from Gabriel Jesus as to why people still want to question this guy I think he's immense I think he's fantastic I think he was key last night and but for a couple of defensive errors mainly from our goalkeeper we're talking about a really comfortable Arsenal victory that Gabriel Jesus has essentially led us to with the goal, with an assist, um, with that quick throw and all the rest of it. So, you know, you you have to make sure that you highlight these things because the narrative will be Declan Rice, brilliant, scored the winning goal, and it will be David Raya, Costas, et cetera, et cetera. Sometimes you need to scratch underneath the surface and find what was actually really impressive last night. And that was, for me, Gabriel Jesus. Another player that I wanted to quickly touch on is Declan Rice, of course, because it's not the first time this season that he's popped up with a massive moment for us, just when we needed him most. Um, you know, the way he attacks the ball with power is brilliant. It does take a little nick off the defender's head on its way in, which maybe takes it out of Kaminsky's reach. But just to be in the box, um, to be as dominant, as controlling as he was again, um, to be as physical as he was in midfield. I mean, £105 million looks like an absolute steal now, doesn't it? It really, really does. Just unbelievable footballer with the right character, with the right temperament. He's a hit with the fans. He's a hit with everybody um, straight away. Somebody, a friend of mine, a, a fellow broadcaster who um, wasn't working on the Arsenal game last night, but was watching from afar, texted me as soon as the final whistle went and just said, Rice equals monster. And that's what he is. He's a monster in that midfield. Um, you know, I think he's getting better in terms of his progressive passing. I think he's getting better in terms of his understanding of positional play and all the rest of it. He was always good at that stuff, but I think Arsenal's taken him to another level. He's playing with better players. He's playing, in my opinion, under a far more sophisticated coach in terms of the modern day game and stuff. And I think he's come on leaps and bounds in a really short space of time. The first few games, I think you could see that he was still trying to figure things out, but he looks like a key component in this team now. And it is imperative, absolutely imperative that we keep him fit, along with a couple of others, if we're, if we're going to keep pushing and hopefully go on uh, and win the Premier League title. Look, I'm going to take a really, really short pause and then I'm just going to take a few of your questions. I'm not going to go into it too deep because we've got another episode coming up later on and, and we'll do way more questions on that. Um, but yeah. Uh, get involved uh, in the comments. I'll take a few before we say our goodbyes. Also, like, subscribe, all the rest of it. Be back in just a second. 
Welcome back along to the podcast. Uh, let's dive into the chat box and see what you guys are saying. Uh, Robert says, um, what a player, Rolls-Royce, with regards to Gabriel Jesus. Yeah, just unbelievable. Unbelievable, isn't he? Um, Aaron says, he's so hungry. It's exciting to watch. That's such a good way to describe him, hungry. Um, Airy Hart says he's a fighter. Um, Robert also says he's the nearest player to Alexis Sanchez in terms of that relentlessness and that intensity with which he plays and stuff. I, I completely agree with you. Um, I, I really, really do. Just on Declan Rice, um, the Geordie Gunner says, hey, I think Deck had quite a quiet game uh, for his very high standards. The man showed his fight and desire, though, and will to win. I feel myself falling deeper in love with him every game. Yeah, I, I don't think it was his like most dominant game, but I thought he was up against a really physical team. Um, and, and given the game state at certain points, it, it, I think it took the spotlight away from Declan Rice a little bit until, of course, he grabbed it and pointed it back in his direction with the winning goal. Uh, Crypto FPL says, um, don't forget Kai Havertz was brilliant. I think it's his best game for the Arsenal. I do too, but we're going to do that on a separate show later on where we're going to do a real deep dive into Kai Havertz and the way he's kind of come on um, at Arsenal. Um Tom says, I'm a bit tired about the constant keeper chat, to be honest, but I'm more annoyed at the PGMOL. Arteta misses the Villa game for celebrating a last second winner. Seriously, the PGMOL is just anti-football at this stage. I mean, listen, I was in the ground and obviously when the goal went in, I was focused on the the, the players, the, the away end. And from my position in the gantry where you are literally hanging over the touchline, I couldn't actually see the dugout unless I leaned over. So I couldn't actually see what Mikel Arteta had done. Um, and I, I I saw him being shown a yellow card and I thought, oh, come on, Mikel. No, no, I didn't think anything. I didn't think, oh, come on, Mikel, like, what are you doing? I thought, here we go again. Like, come on, like, why, why are you booking Mikel Arteta again? Like, it just feels like the threshold for a booking for Mikel Arteta is just so much lower than everybody else's. And um, anyway, I thought, oh, he must have done something. He, he must have gone over the top. He must have, you know, he must have done a Mikel Arteta, essentially. I got home and I got into bed. I climbed into bed at whatever time it was, some ridiculous hour in the morning. And I I was scrolling through Twitter and I saw a video of Mikel Arteta's celebration with his, with his coaching staff. And then I saw the yellow card show. Now, did something else happen that the cameras didn't capture because if that's what he's been booked for, that is ridiculous. And I tweeted something to that effect last night because I think it was an absolute shambles um, that that is deemed as unacceptable. My tweet said I was completely focused on the goals. So it didn't catch what Mikel Arteta was booked for. I've just seen it back and it really is laughable to book a manager for jumping up and down on the sidelines with his staff, having just seen his team score a 97th minute winner is not just harsh, but in fact, ridiculous. As a consequence, he won't be in the dugout for the game versus Aston Villa at the weekend. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if the FA decide to finally get on with this charge of his as well and probably ban him for the Liverpool game as well. Um, it feels like, you know, there is a bit of an agenda against Arsenal, like they're trying to make... Um, a bit of a thing of of Arteta's behaviour. They're trying to stamp it out. And look, he does give them excuses sometimes, but I don't think what he did last night was was anywhere near um, worthy of, of receiving a booking. But hey, um, what do I know? What do I know? Aaron says, um, fans will get lifetime bans for celebrating football soon or refused entry into stadiums for smiling. This yellow card Arteta nonsense kills games. Agree. Um, 
just on Havertz, who we're going to talk about on the, the second episode today. Havertz looks like he's finally building in confidence, had a great game yesterday, completely agree. Um, what else have we got? Erin says uh, he barely stepped over the line, talking about Arteta here, onto the field when he wildly jumped up, which feels like the PGMOL. Um, just booking on a ridiculous technicality. Someone else asked, and I've, I've lost the comment. I, I can't find where it is, but someone said, I oh, hear it is, Izualo. Is the club able to challenge Arteta's yellow card decision? I don't think they are. Um, I don't know that for a fact. I'd, I'd need to look into that, but I don't think um, I, I don't think that they're able to, which will be really, really frustrating. I loved Arteta's response when he was asked about it. He said, look, I couldn't sit in my seat. You know, if emotion like that is is a yellow card these days, then then so be it. And I love that from the boss. Anyway, I'm going to leave it there um, and I'll catch up with you guys a little bit later on today. I'll be joined by special guest Mike Stavrou of The Athletic and we will um, be uh, talking Kai Havertz in depth and getting his thoughts on Arsenal's season so far, the win at Luton and more. Uh, subscribe, like, share, all the rest of it. And if you're listening on audio, please do leave us a review and I'll catch you all a little bit later on today. Until then, goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>